Oh, my God. 
minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Avrami Finkelstein, briefly sitting in for the one and only Nachum Siegel on this Erev Shabbos edition of your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Shabbos, 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 Shabb
Malachi, 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 Malachi,
been a tough year. A lot of information, misinformation, and confusion. The COVID-19 vaccine is, of course, the first step toward a return to normalcy. Our friends at JOMA, the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association, is dedicated to providing accurate scientific information. They'll be widely distributing educational material to our community. For more information, go to JOMA.org. JOMA.org. Click on the Patient EDU tab at the top of the page for more info. JOMA.org. The Patient EDU tab. Zamelech, she won't be 
הוא יושב למעלה במרום, מלאכים סביבו מעל העולם. אנו כאן בארץ הקטנים, כי אין מלאכים, יש רק בני אדם, אבל הבורא אותנו רוצה גם ממך, תענו, הוא איתנו, הוא בשמיים. מלאכים סביבו מעל העולם. אנו כאן בארץ הקטנים, כי אין מלאכים, יש רק בני אדם. אבל הבורא אותנו רוצה גם אם תענו, הוא איתנו, הוא בשמיים, ועדיין הוא קרוב מאוד, הוא בשמיים. Oh, 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 oh,
And that was Left Tahar from Left Tahar 4 with uh, Chaverim, in honor of the fact that we will be benching Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, taking place on uh, Saturday night and Sunday. Wishing everybody a Chodesh Tov. And that kept off a great set of both new and classic music. We had David Perlman in there with Shira Shabalev, the track entitled Hu Bashamayim. We had Darren Glick's Adon Olam. Uh, Sandy Shmueli from his Ani Shara CD with Misha Asa, again because of the benching Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Uh, some great Shabbos tunes in there as well with A.B. Rottenberg and Shlomo Simcha off of H3 with Shalom Aleichem and Moshav Band off of their Return Again CD with Shabbos Kodesh as we are getting ready for a Shabbos. This is Avrami briefly sitting in for the one and only Nahum C on this Arab Shabbos edition of JM in the AM. Uh, coming up later in the program, of course, Nahum Siegel will be conducting the weekly update with Malcolm Holman, so make sure that you stay tuned to get the latest news concerning Israel and the Jewish community uh, around the world. Uh, Rabbi Yudin will be discussing the Torah portion of the week, and I'm sure he'll be addressing something to do with Rosh Chodesh as well. And uh, there is going to be uh, an interview, I believe, with uh, Rabbi Kanelsky coming up following that as well from Briss Avraham, as you know. If you get our weekly update, our weekly newsletter, our daily thread, it's all in there, so you can find out and know specifically what to tune in for. Of course, there'll be the encore of the Arab Shabbos show a little bit later today, hosted by Mark Zamek and uh, brought to us by our friends at Kedem. And uh, we are headed back to the music right now, our second full set of the morning um, with uh, Schlock Rock off of their uh, Shabbat in Liverpool CD, this great version of Lich Hadodi. A whole lot more great music and uh, programming coming up, so make sure that you stay tuned. This is Avrami, uh, currently, but not for long, sitting in for the one and only Nahum Siegel on this, your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. If 
אמרתך עמי, אל יד בן ישי בית הלחמי, כל ויה נפשי גאלה, לך דודי Jeder Entwirr, du Mann, 
Naftali Abramson, Kol Shavua Shabbat. Excuse me, Shabbos every single day here at JM in the AM. Uh, Ruven Garber had Ivdu. The D minor Negun was Eitan Katz. A big thank you to Avrami for sitting in during the first hour this morning, so I could be in Schultz, my father's yard site. Poseach, that was Tzvi Silberstein featuring Benny Friedman, Ellie Marcus, and Ari Hill together with the Medleyoff Project X. Schlock Rocks Lechado D from a Shabbat in Liverpool. Leif Tahar had Chaverim, Huba Shamayim, David Perlman, Darren Glick, Sadon Alam, Misha Asa, Sandy Shmueli, AB and Shlomo Simcha with Shalom Aleichem off H3. Shabbos Kodesh by the Moshav Band, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Erev Shabbos. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, and AlchemSingle.com, and the AlchemSingle Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. Friday morning, March the 12th, the 28th of Adar. Yes, as someone pointed out in the app, it's also Doda Zelda, my father's sister's yard site. She died exactly a year after my father. A couple of yard sites today. It's Arab Shabbos, Parshas, Vayakel, and Paku days. We close out the Book of Shmos. It's Parshas Achodesh, candle lighting at 539 in New York. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is tomorrow night, a one day. Sunday Rosh Chodesh, and we change the clock tomorrow night. Galitzal News next. Shalom Rav, Baulpan El Azar, Ben Lolo, Im Mashakoreach Shav. המחאה על הטיפול במיגור מקרי האלימות במגזר הערבי בג'לג'וליה נערכת בשעה זו הפגנה המונית בעקבות רצח הנער מוחמד עדס בן ה-15 השבוע. המשטרה פרוסה בכוננות מוגברת, הכניסה ליישוב מותרת רק לתושבי המקום. כביש 65 נחסם לתנועה מצומת מגידו למחלף מיעמי בשני הכיוונים. הפגנה נוספת מתקיימת באום אל-פחם בהשתתפות מאות בני אדם, כמה מפגינים השליכו אבנים לעבר השוטרים במקום. ידיעה שריכזו כתבנו דורון קדוש והדס שטייף. צה"ל ביצע לפחות 12 תקיפות של מכליות נפט איראניות שעשו דרכן לסוריה, כך לפי פרסום בוול סטריט ג'ורנל. עוד לפי הפרסום, ציר הנפט שהגיע מאיראן ועבר בסוריה היה אמור לזרום לחיזבאללה. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון, צחי דבוש. רוכב אופניים בן 45 נהרג סמוך למכרות תמנה בערבה במהלך רכיבת שטח. פונה למרכז הרפואי יוספטל באילת, שם נאלצו הרופאים לקבוע את מותו של האיש. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו בדרום, רמי שני. תושב הצפון נעצר בחשד להתעללות בבנו בן השש שסובל ממוגבלות. המשטרה עצרה את האב בן ה-38 בעקבות תלונה שהגישה נגדו גרושתו. 
רבנו קובי מנדל מוסר שחשוד העלה תמונה לפייסבוק שבה רואים את בנו כשידיו ורגליו אזוקות ברצועה שחורה. מעצרו של האב הוארך עד ליום שלישי הקרוב והילד הועבר לרשות אמו. משרד החוץ, משרד החוץ ונציגויות ישראל בעולם קוראים לאזרחים ישראלים ותושבי קבע המבקשים לחזור לארץ בזמן הקרוב להירשם באתר משרד החוץ במטרה לקבוע טיסות ליעדים שאושרו על ידי הממשלה. כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג מציינת כי רשימת היעדים נערכת בתיאום עם משרדי התחבורה והבריאות ורשות האוכלוסין וההגירה. הבוקר אישרה הממשלה במשאל טלפוני את הסמכת שרת התחבורה מירי רגב למנות עובד בכיר ממשרדה לתפקיד יושב ראש ועדת ההשגות בעניין כניסה לארץ ויציאה ממנה. התחזית מעונן חלקית, תחול ירידה בטמפרטורות שתהיינה מעט נמוכות מהרגיל העונה, הלילה בעיר את מעונן חלקית, מחר תחול עלייה של הטמפרטורות, ובעקבות מזג האוויר מסלולי טיולים נסגרו בדרום ובצפון, במדבר יהודה סגורים כל מסלולי הגלישה ומסלולי הליכה בנחלים דרגה, תקוע, אוג ונחל פרת. בצפון סגורים חלק מהמסלולים, בשמורת הטבע גמלה ובגן הלאומי ארבל. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו איתי שריג. אלה חדשות. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Okay, we'll do this a bit more slowly this time around. <laughs> First of all, it is the 28th of Adar, and as I mentioned, both my father, um, um, Rabbi Zev Siegel, and my aunt, Zelda Cohen, uh, both of their yard sites are today. My father died 13 years ago today, and she died 12 years ago today. So we remember both of them this morning. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas, Vayakel and Pekudeh as we close out the book of Shmos. It is a Parshas Achodesh, hence we'll have two Torahs tomorrow. Candle lighting is at 539 in New York, 539. Make sure you know when things start where you are, of course. Uh, we will bench Rosh Chodesh Nisan tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is actually tomorrow night. Yeah, we'll say Alaviyavo tomorrow night. So Rosh Chodesh Nisan is tomorrow night. We will again uh, say Yalav Yavo tomorrow night and Sunday. Uh, it's a one-day Rosh Chodesh, a one-day Sunday Rosh Chodesh. And um, and um, that's it. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is uh, this coming Sunday. Shabbos HaGadol, two weeks from tonight. Hard to believe. And that'll be Erev Pesach. A reminder, especially for those of you around the world who, you know, need to keep track how many hours difference it is from your time zone and our time zone. We will uh, leap forward. We will spring forward tomorrow. Uh, 2 a.m. tomorrow night will become 3 a.m. So we are going to daylight savings time. And... Um, Again, that's uh, officially this coming Sunday morning Rosh Chodesh, that it begins here in the United States of America. So keep that in mind as um, you tune in from wherever it is you might be tuned in. So there you have it. That's my whole, uh, that's my whole thing. <laughs> that's my whole thing. We got the weekly update coming up about 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Harry Rothenberg about five minutes from now with words about this week's Parsha. Uh, Rabbi Yudin, of course, will have... Uh, um, a discussion with us uh, coming up at 8.15. 
Rabbi Kanelsky will join us on a non-Brisavram-related topic later on this morning. And, of course, the uh, Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That happens at 10 a.m. Eastern time. And as we always say, there's no reason to touch that dial. No reason to touch that dial. Keep us here, or keep us on, I should say, between now and candle lighting time, and you'll be very, very satisfied with your Erev Shabbos. That I can tell you. David Perlman, brand new, JM in the AM.
David Perlman, brand new here at JM in the AM. A song good enough to play twice in one morning. How do you like that? Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Uh, hard to believe that we're just two weeks away from the big holiday. That's right. Pesach is uh, literally fast approaching. Uh, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Nisan will be on Sunday, which means we start Rosh Chodesh Nisan tomorrow night. Also tomorrow night, don't forget to change the clock. Avrami just asked me about the clock change in Israel. Um, so, I mean, we, we spoke about this with the Mayor Weingarten about just how absurd it is. Um, they're going to start daylight savings time in Israel Friday morning, Erev Shabbos HaGadol. Literally, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos HaGadol. And the reason it's so silly is because they could have their one Seder one hour earlier on Saturday night if they would just change the clock, you know, two days later. But <laughs> whatever. <laughs> maybe, maybe only people like me obsess over this. <laughs> but anyway, we change the clock this Sunday officially. 2 a.m. becomes 3 a.m. In Israel, they'll change the clock Friday morning, essentially Erev Pesach. Obviously, Erev Pesach is Shabbos. We get my point. Friday morning, uh, uh, 2 a.m. will become 3 a.m. on March the 26th in Israel. All right. So that's how it's going to work this time around. Harry Rothenberg has words about this week's Parsha. Joins us here at JM in the AM. Moshe announces that God has appointed a young man named Bitzalel to be the master craftsman in charge of building the Mishkan. The Torah tells us that Bitzala was an expert in fashioning gold and silver and copper and in carving stone and in woodworking and in weaving clothing. Now we know that's not possible. He was a young man who had just been freed from slavery. He wasn't an apprentice to da Vinci during the Renaissance. Even if he was born with wondrous talents, there's no way that he would have had enough life experience to become a master in so many different art forms. Obviously, God, in addition to bestowing talent upon him, had gifted him the expertise necessary to be a master craftsman in all those different areas. Why then was he chosen for such incredible gifts? The commentators tell us that if you look carefully at the passages, you can begin to tease out an answer. But Salo's lineage is traced back not just to his father, but also to his grandfather, Hur. In contrast, Betzalel's assistant, Aholiav's lineage, is only traced back to his father. Why? Because Betzalel's grandfather, Hur, is the key to this puzzle. Hur was one of the two people, along with Aharon, Aaron, the high priest, Moshe's brother, that Moshe left in charge of the Jewish people when he went up on the mountain the first time to get the tablets. When he came back down the mountain in the immediate aftermath of the sin of the golden calf, only Aharon was still there. Because unfortunately, the sinners among the people had killed Hur when he tried to prevent them from building the golden calf. And so by appointing Hur's grandson, Betzalel, in one fell swoop, God accomplishes multiple goals. First, up in heaven, he's allowing Hur, who gave up his life to sanctify God's name, to beam with pride as his grandson assumes a position of such importance and prominence. Second, what poetic justice. The Mishkan is meant to effectuate full atonement for the sin of the golden calf. Who better to be the master craftsman to build it than the grandson of the person who died giving up his life to try to prevent that sin? And third and most important, God was concerned because the Jewish people were worried. Is God really going to give us full forgiveness? And so God's telling them, yes, 
Sleep easy at night. Rest assured, I am going to fully forgive you. And I'll show you a sign so that you'll know that. I'm appointing as the architect of atonement, the grandson of Hor, the guy you killed. I would never do that if I wasn't going to fully forgive you. That would be a cruel joke. And so God's reassuring them. Now think about that. It would be more than enough, Dayenu, for God to merely forgive them. But he goes the extra mile. He not only forgives them, but he wants to give them reassurances so they won't be worried. And we mimic that behavior. You'd think that if someone were to wrong me or hurt me during the day, I'd go to sleep at night, and when my head hit the pillow, I'd stay awake a few minutes, conjuring up all sorts of inventive ways to serve up some revenge on a cold platter. But instead, what do we do? We say the bedtime Shema. And the first prayer among that set of prayers is one in which we declare to God, I hereby forgive any person who sinned against me, who wronged me, who antagonized me, whether against my body or my possessions or my honor, whether it was done accidentally or even if it was done on purpose. God, I'm declaring to you, I forgive that person. Please don't punish anyone on my account. And we're not meant to merely say those words. We're supposed to mean them. We're supposed to show God, God, you went the extra mile to forgive and to reassure. We're going to go the extra mile too. Let's 
וגם כשיש עננים שמכסים את הכל ולא רואים שום דבר, רק עומדים במקום זה קצת לא נעים איך הכל מסתלק, נעלם ונסתר ואז באים חברים לחזק להרים מביאים משפטים של אנשים חכמים אני עדיין בחושך מחכה כאן לבד. יש רק אחד שיודע באמת מה עובר לי בפנים. יש רק אחד ששומע אלוקים, אלוקים. וכך במשך שנים מתרגלים לחיים, ממשיכים כך ללכת. עולים ויורדים, מסתובב לאחור, את כל זה עברתי, כל זה עברתי. ואנחנו גדלים, חברים מתרחקים, משפחה ילדים, הקשיים הרגילים. מה שנשאר מכל זה, זו רק ההרגשה ש...
Rabbi Silver set sail, cruising all through the night. The guards at the door try to put up a fight. They said, ain't nothing here for you people to claim. Every single kid here looks the same. When he shouted these words, the kids came alive. They could see the parents right in front of the eyes. Grabbing the stuff without saying goodbye. Kicking and screaming, they started to cry. Oh, 
J.M. in the A.M. Ki Shabbat on by Udi Davidi here at J.M. in the A.M. Oh, yes. Big regards. Big hello to our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms. They've taken their amazing kosher superstore and they have transformed it into a, a massive kosher Pesach superstore. How they did it without ever closing, I don't know, but they did it. They did a great job at it. Uh, Aaron's Casino Farms, Casino Boulevard in Queens, New York. Check them out. Uh, basically, have everything you need for Pesach under one roof. And um, plenty of great sale items and a lot of wonderful incentives to visit and uh, stock up on your Pesach items. Aaron's Casino Farms. Go to CasinoFarms.com for information. And, of course, visit them on Casino Boulevard, Queens, New York. You'll be glad you did. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954, available at better supermarkets nationwide. And guess what? Plenty of great A&H products are kosher la pesa. A lot of their wonderful meats, some of their great hot dogs. I think well, I don't want to say all, but the majority of their hot dogs, yeah. That's what we uh, love about A&H. They are legitimately, legitimately delicious all year round, even the week of Pesach. <laughs> uh, check out A&H today, and uh, next time you're shopping, no matter where, Aaron's Casino Farms, anywhere else, make sure you have plenty of A&H for the big holiday coming up. A, an important reminder for all of us here at JM. And that actually is a very important reminder, frankly. <laughs> Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. <laughs> Parshas HaChodesh coming up. That's right. In addition to Vayakel and Pekude, in addition to closing out the book of Shmos, 
We've got the Parshas HaChodesh coming up tomorrow as well. Candle lighting at 539 here in New York. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is this coming Sunday, so we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is this coming Sunday. And don't forget to change the clock. Daylight savings time begins this Sunday morning. Here in America, at least. It's that time of year again, tax time. Are you ready? Isn't it about time you went to a firm that does more than taxes? Rosenbaum Financial Services is that firm. Uh, taxes play an important role in all of life circumstances. Uh, Rosenbaum is able to identify planning opportunities based on information within your return. To learn more about Rosenbaum Financial Services, visit the web, taxcpa2.com, taxcpa2.com, or dial 1-800-829-2722. In addition, anybody who uh, emails uh, Ralph, ralph at taxcpa2.com, ralph at taxcpa2.com, They'll send you a no-obligation research done on the uh, Dirty Dozen tax scams to watch out for. Again, it's ralph at taxcpa2.com. Take advantage of his and his firm's service at Rosenbaum Financial Services. More coming up. You are listening to a Friday morning era of Shabbos at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline in the weekly update minutes away.
J.M. in the A.M. Shlomo Katz with uh, that version of Prok. You heard Mayain done by uh, the Sheves Chaveirim group. Micha Gammerman and Roxy Macha here at the J.M. in the A.M. And Udi Davidi with Ki Eshmera opening up that set. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayakel and Pekude, Shabbos Chazak. We will close out the Book of Shmos. And, of course, Rabbi Yudim will, do, will um, address all this coming up here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, it's also Erev Shabbos of uh, Parshas HaChodesh. So we have two Torahs tomorrow. Um, 
Parshas Achodesh tomorrow. Candle lighting in New York at 539. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Nisan tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Nisan will be Sunday, so we'll start Rosh Chodesh tomorrow night. It'll be a one-day Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Hard to believe that we are just two weeks away from what's essentially Erev Pesach. And uh, we'll switch the clock tomorrow night. Daylight savings time begins in the United States uh, tomorrow night. Uh, today is uh, my father's 13th yard site. I thank those who have acknowledged it. And um, and those who um, uh, made specific uh, uh, donations and acknowledgments in his memory. Harav Zeb and Yosef Halevi, it is much appreciated. Uh, don't forget our friends at jewishworldreview.com. If you want to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world, we have one recommendation. Go to jewishworldreview.com, and you'll be well taken care of and well informed. Simple as that. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us on this uh, Friday morning for the weekly update. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you as always, especially with all the... The exciting things this Shabbos and Shul. <laughs> yeah, well, in, in or <laughs> out. Except Kiddush. <laughs> in, in or out, depending on where you daven. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, someone reminded me this morning, I, I mentioned to my father's yard site, and someone reminded me this morning that you 13 years ago made a very profound comment, and I, and one we, our family, very much appreciated, and that was that um, uh, there was an era when the organized Jewish community was not as organized or as influential, and it took local rabbis uh, to address major issues. Now, I'm not saying they don't address major issues today. You know what I mean. But major communal issues that had international implications, a lot of it fell into their lap. So I know the times make the man, and I think that's generally the, uh, uh, the consensus. Uh, but uh, there were times in this country people don't realize there was a— uh, there was not as much of a respect for the Jewish community and not as much influence by the Jewish community. It took individual leaders uh, to go out there and to get done what needed to be done. So sometimes we have to remember the times that we're living in. Absolutely. And the shift, you know, it it's, can be a reflection of society as a whole, or sometimes it's just particular circumstances that uh, generate uh, the changes when you collectivize leadership and when you have individual leaders who are predominant. And uh, I think now we're in a period of transition, too, but I'm not sure where it's going to lead yeah. to it yet. And, and by the way, I, I think it's also a a way of looking at what's going on in Israel now in terms of leadership. Because just to take a step back for a moment, we have an election coming up on March 23rd, and you've joked already about a fifth election after that, and I, I understand half of that is you know, tongue-in-cheek. But I don't know if Israel and the Jewish world in general could have tolerated this type of political situation 20, 30, 40 years ago. I don't know if the type of instability or the impression of instability at the top you know, would have been something that Israel could have sustained uh, during such a, you know, a, uh, a, when it was such a young state. I think we're lucky that it's sort of happening now and that it didn't happen early on in Israel's existence. Well, I wasn't joking about the fifth. Uh, yeah, it wasn't even tongue in cheek. It was something that's uh, an increasing uh, likelihood. It really is likely there's going to be a fifth election. It's it's a good possibility that there will be an unstable outcome uh, uh. because of the line uh, hard lines that some are taking about who they will sit with and who they won't sit with. And when you see the number shifting, that sire who had come out of the gate so strong now is down to single digits or 
merits doesn't make the cut, and others, um, the Labor Party also, each of the parties as they came out knew, you know, really it took off. And if you remember last election, Bennett couldn't, had a hard time making even the cut, right. at the minimum cut, with 3.25%. And now he's the third largest party. And Lapid, that everybody dismissed, is now the second at 20. So it's it's volatile. The, the margins are very narrow. And if uh, people keep to their pledges that they won't sit under a Netanyahu government, they won't sit under a Lapid government, whatever, I'm not sure that the numbers will add up. So it's possible, and your point is well taken, that in earlier years, it is because of the economic strength of the country that it can survive this instability, that it can not only survive, it thrives. It's, it's continuing. You see, in February, a billion, $100 million in foreign investment in the high-tech sector, January record number, uh, the the cost of, of um, the vaccines and all the things that they've done, and you have to give Netanyahu credit for that, uh, moving faster than anyone else, and, and Israel being in the forefront. Right. I think uh, only Alaska is doing better, or somebody, they said. But, but the, um, yeah, this, this instability. But, but we shouldn't think that this is just a rubber band you can keep stretching. Right. They're losing people when, when uh, I don't know, only 60% say they're going to vote. That, that's not good. The relative peace also helps, right? Not just the strong economy, but the relative peace. Sure. Well, that contributes and, to the right, economy. And, and, and you wonder, because he's run so many times, I mean, he's run a lot of times already, because he's run so many times on security, you wonder if that might be the difference, that if, God forbid, Israel was in a more precarious security situation, he might have more of a foothold of forming a real government. And now, because, thank God, Israel finds itself in the more peaceful you know, period of time that it's in, maybe... That's what he's lacking. He doesn't have that issue to really fight for and to and to promote his campaign with. Certainly, security situations force people to unite, and generally, in Israel, as you know, that uh, they form broad governments. If God forbid, there's a war, and now people don't see the immediate security threat, although it exists. Certainly, the situation sure. in the north right. and the increasing Iranian uh, expansionism. The uh, you know the elections in the Palestinian territories coming up, and Hamas supposedly elected a, a new leader to replace Inar, um Wadala, who was the head of their Shura Council. The the um, you know there are a lot of ingredients right now that lead to instability, but at the same time, you see many signs of um, uh, Israel's strength. Uh, I don't know if you saw this week the story that in Saudi. Uh, Twitter is a, a fire with statements about the Temple Mount belonging to to the Jews, and that that uh, people should pray to Mecca and Medina, and forget about Al Aqsa when all these campaigns, you know, that Al Aqsa is number three and Al Aqsa is this and Al Aqsa that. Oh, they it, there must be members of the PA who are furious with that one. <laughs> oh, they're way beyond furious, but they're so consumed now with their own internal election. And trying to knock uh, Abbas, trying to knock off Tahlan, uh, trying to keep uh, Hamas uh, out of the West Bank, and, and it could well be that they'll conjure up some sort of a deal between them, between Hamas and the and the PA. But you see, the PA again going ahead and and uh, raising the salary they gave to the killers of the Fogel family right. and others, completely in violation of the agreement. So they take advantage of this of this period. But to go back to your original point, it's true. That come together in times of uh, of crisis, 
not the price we want. Uh, we'd rather see them come together in a unity to take advantage of the Abraham Accords. And you saw Israel and Egypt held the largest bilateral conference in, in 20 years. I think 60 Israeli and Egyptian business people in a public meeting in Sharm el-Sheikh. And the, the um, uh, uh, other developments that have come up just over the last few days, it's, it's just amazing that the Abraham Accords continue to, to grow. Amazing is right. And uh, it, the, the, just one last point on the election thing, and then I'll move on. But it, it, and not, not to bash Netanyahu, uh, you know, circumstances are circumstances, but it, it is amazing that um, that the, the, the reputation is, or the analysis seems to always be recently, that there's no personality that's able to take him on in terms of a leadership role, right? There's just nobody who's really you know, attracting a following. Uh, like he does with his group, and even with that, he can't go ahead. Even even with you know this reputation as being the only real leader, the only one who's been able to separate himself as somebody that you know can lead Israel, he still can't form a coalition uh, to actually govern. So it's uh, it, it's sort of an indictment of him. Now again, I know the circumstances, like you just described, the security. I know that has a lot to do with it. But when you're regarded as the only formidable candidate and that the problem is that everyone else is so weak and you still can't form a government in it? That's somewhat of an indictment. It is. And look, he hasn't serving long. It's true everywhere that, uh, you know, politicians, that's why they put term limits, um, reach a certain point uh, right. and people want a new face. They want something different. Um, and, and you know, there's been so much. The media is pretty tough on him. And the, you know, he has these combination of circumstances. But as you said, there's no one else who has the personal stature that he has, and that is what he is, he is in fact, uh, selling to the, to the public, that, uh, you know, he, he's the one who has access to things and to, to the different leaders. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen the statements this week from um, Secretary Blinken, the Secretary of State Blinken, and others that uh, were very supportive, both about enforcing the Taylor Force Act and, and holding the Palestinians accountable on those fronts, but also on the ICC uh, statements in support of virus. So you can point to that and say, well, you see that uh, with all your th- fears that uh, Mike Grivy's position and said that he has no regrets about embracing Trump because they, you know, of, of what was accomplished. So he, th- there is a unique combination uh, of factors of the uh, longest serving prime minister, of the criminal charges against him, of the mobilization uh, against him, the fact that former allies turned against him. These are all uh, elements, I think, in the, in the current circumstance. But as you said, there's no one else, and no one else seems to be able to form a real coalition of the, uh, uh, you know, within the Knesset, including the fact that you have a, a growing percentage of Arabs who are going to vote even for him, that he's campaigned in Arab communities. And if right. you remember what he said the last time, right. uh, it is a remarkable turnaround. By the way, the Trump comments, you know, 10 days before the election, that was a real double down on his crowd because he didn't have to say a word about his relationship with Donald Trump. And instead, he just, he made sure to... Uh, well, he was asked. It was in an interview, and he was asked about it. Yeah, but, I mean, there are different ways of answering that question, right? right? Absolutely. And he was pretty strong on it. Um, and, and by the way, I mean, when you f- when you agree to continue funding the PA for whatever, I mean, fill in the blank, is that vi- is that a real violation of Taylor Force? Like, is is it does it apply to any type of economic aid or specific types? That is, when is it considered a violation? 
that's a very good uh, uh, question, but it, it limits. It doesn't stop uh, U.S. funding. Mm. And um, and they said that um, um, that President Biden was in Israel, about a mile and a half away from where, where Taylor Force uh, was murdered. And he spoke about it then, so he has a personal association uh, with it. So they they did um, take some strong stance. They've also put in some new sanctions this week against uh, certain Iranians, even though they had lifted a lot of sanctions and also on the Houthis. So it looks like they're adjusting uh, to the reality. But the Taylor Force blocks U.S. funding right. until it changes the position. And I think in Congress you have a majority probably that would cut off all aid until the PA ends this program. It, it's it's really horrendous. People knew understood the amount of money. And, you know, that they try to pull all sorts of shenanigans by paying them through other sources or paying the money to the PLO. And then the PLO uh, passes it on to the uh, families of the terrorists and murderers. But the, um, uh, but, the, but the bottom line is the same. Right. The, the absurd part is, and you could tell me if I'm inaccurate on this, but, but they, 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 they make no effort to make sure to fund their average citizens with their basic needs. But when it comes to this, they make sure to give full or larger salaries. Absolutely. Look how the uh, Palestinian workers are lining up to get the vaccines from Israeli source there in Efrat uh, this week. Wow. They were lining up, and, and they're hungry for it. But the government, the, the government of PA, which is responsible for it, and unlike this ongoing blood Bible against Israel, which is so frustrating because it's, it's A, not true, and it's not Israel's responsibility, and Israel has facilitated. They got, you know, from, from the UAE, tens of thousands of uh, vaccines that were allowed into Gaza. They got from, uh, and Israel's provided to the, to the PA. But I assure you, it's the PA leadership that gets it, and and the um, now Israel's doing all the workers who come into Israel, and more will get. Right. But the the world is if you see this lineup, and and even people on television programs, others echoing, and members of Congress echoing this this really dastardly blood libel against Israel, and the facts are irrelevant. Yeah, it really is unbelievable. By the way, I'm so confused with this. With, with you know, we talk about what's happening now. Uh, pre-election, I thought the effort it was obvious, uh, or I thought it, it was obvious that there would be an effort to open up Israel as much as possible pre-election. I thought it was good for BB, and obviously he's in power. And in general, you know, there's an attitude of we want as many Israelis as possible to come back and vote and all that. And so it looked like this past Sunday the airports would reopen, and then it looks like this entire week it's been a struggle to actually get flights in and out of Israel. Have they made up their minds yet? If pre-election they're going to be, you know, they're going to have more open sky than usual or than usual during Corona. Well, they were well on the way in terms of American flights, but as you know, United and Delta uh, protested the the government's indecision or the lack of clarity, and they cut their flights uh, significantly. American is also going to be joining, but not until, I think, after Sukkot. So for people who are asking me when the American flights are, are coming, uh, I spoke to them yesterday, and I think it'll be after Sukkot. But the, um, so this was not an Israeli thing. This was more the American Airlines. I don't mean American Airlines, the airline. I'm talking about those from the United States. It was really their decision about withholding the flights. It, yeah, as I said, it's a protest because right. the government, as you said, made announcements that didn't seem... Uh, no clarity. Coincide and they right. qu- no clarity. And, right. the, and, you know, people don't understand. You have to plan. You plan sure. where your aircraft will be. El Al is continuing to fly two daily scheduled flights with no changes. Um, 
but they were all required to present a negative you know, coronavirus test uh, within three days of the flight, as well as uh, signed health declarations, et cetera. But it's, it's people are calling me every day. I get several calls from really important cases where families have a wedding, children are getting married, other things, and people wanting to go for Pesach. In and- most cases, they work it out. But it's, uh, you know, on these emergency flights. But in terms of the next 10 days, meaning between now and the election, it probably won't change. You're going to be going through this for the next week and a half, right? I think the indecision will continue. And as I've said on the show, I think many times for the last few months, that it wouldn't clarify until after Pesach, maybe even May, June, before people will be able to fly um, freely for the summer to go. But the tourism industry really needs it. Israel's economy needs it. Uh, So hopefully it'll come sooner rather than later. Yeah, believe me, <laughs> believe me, we're ready. Um, me too. Are they really setting up a polling station in uh, in Ben Gurion Airport, literally so people could fly in and, and then fly right out if they want to? That's what they said. It's pretty and, amazing. You know, they vote, started voting this week here in New York at the consulate. Ah. They have three polling booths there for diplomats. I mean, it's restricted in Shlichim. I think are allowed. Israelis here are not. They have to go back. Mm-hmm. Usually you have a large number that fly back to Israel for elections. That's not going to be the case this time. And um, I'm concerned that you'll have a much lower turnout, which adds more uncertainty to the to the outcome or to the confidence people have in the outcome. Right. Do those votes ever make it back to Israel, the ones that take place in New York? They do get there eventually, right? Um, <laughs> one year or the other. <laughs> no, they do. They have a very good system. And it's all highly regulated. And, uh, you know, they send people. That, uh, it's, it's set up very carefully. Yeah, that that I am sure it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world the web and Alchemical.com and the Alchemical Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. The PA has vetoed the UAE joining the East Med Gas Forum as an observer. Could you tell us what East Med is and does the PA have the right to do this? So the East Med is uh, something, as you know, I've talked many times over the past 10 years about the importance of creating a Mediterranean initiative, which we initiated, I guess, about 12 years ago by visiting Greece and Cyprus and bringing together the three leaders, ultimately. And and we go every two years with the Greek-American leaders to foster it and to expand it. And I've dealt with many countries. And one of the outcomes, especially of the oil discoveries, was the East Med Forum, uh, in which the Palestinians, even though they don't have a direct, they don't have a coastal position, um, were included. And it seems that the members have a right to block a, an applicant, but I don't believe that it will hold long term. Uh, many others want to join. Turkey wants to get in. Others want to get in. Uh, and I can tell you in terms of the overall, and that it's a broader perspective, but the Gulf and the Mediterranean countries, and especially now with Morocco being the far point and Spain also being very interested that we can build this uh, amazing corridor from the uh, to the Indo Pacific uh, because of the countries there wanting to join Japan, India, Australia, also, uh, and it can have amazing security, economic, and other implications. So I don't believe that the veto if necessary they'll create an alternative vehicle. And but the UAE is an integral part of this, and working very closely with Israel. And again, you know, the stories don't get the coverage they once right. did. Israel was uh, prime minister was supposed to visit right. uh, UAE, but that but there was some controversy over over flights over Jordan because he didn't give notice. 
uh, and also his wife uh, was hospitalized with appendicitis, so it was reason for him uh, not to go. But um, but of course the media is playing it up and sort of trying to make it an embarrassment for him. Well, they're also making an issue just politically. They're making an issue of the relationship between Israel and Jordan. Is it more precarious than we think? No. I don't think it's more precarious than it normally is. It's always uh, controversial. It's always, shaky. it's always shaky. There's always like you know, small yeah, issues. Always that, uh, and always small and big issues. And sometimes there's uh, an explosion. Somebody gets killed. Something else happens. Some incidents on the border. Uh, the Temple Mount issues. Right. And and just if I can make a quick reference because I don't want to forget uh, this reference about the Temple Mount. The fact that that in Saudi Arabia people talk openly right. about the Jewish rights. To, to the Temple Mount, right. the fact that the Moroccans and others all want to make deals, all of whom claim some, you know, uh, role in the Harabayat in particular, uh, should inspire people to remember that we should be asserting our claim. People should be appreciating the fact that, that Jewish sovereignty reigns and that it's increasingly recognized, and there are many exciting things happening there uh, that will be seen. Uh, and for those who visit, we'll see it. That, that this is uh, should not be dismissed. This to me, it's an amazing development. I'm pausing just because you are you you are revealing such a stark reality, and that is that we. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll you know give everyone a slight pass because the less you visit, and obviously nobody's visited uh, outside of Israel. Nobody's visited over the last many many months. Lest you visit, the the more uh, you know you, you feel far away from uh, the Temple Mount and our beloved Jerusalem. Uh, but but the stark reality of what you just said is that we have this we have this you know millennia old obligation to stay connected to Jerusalem and to fight for no other you know not to not to fight for you know harder for our own neighborhoods in Chutzlaaretz than our beloved Temple Mount and. What you just said hit me like you know we just we don't we just don't get that and we don't and we do- take too much for granted that uh, we should not because you you see in the ICC in the International Criminal Court and I know people probably glaze over when we mention it because they don't understand the importance of what the implications but it could be very great and and you could start having you know court cases uh, and by the way the United States came out very strongly against the ICC, which began the investigation. And they have, no, they have no veto power? They can't just squel- squelch no, the whole w- thing? The U.S., like Israel, is not part of it. Uh, we didn't sign the Roma Court. So no matter what the U.S. says, they can't just make it disappear. But, and U.S. is under scrutiny. They want to go after American troops in um, uh, fighting the Taliban in Pakistan or other vi- human rights violations of that kind. They don't seem to have to investigate anything about Syria or <laughs> many other countries. It's crazy. What did I see this week that the U.N. did actually uh, condemn Egypt for something, and everybody was shocked that, that that they were able to condemn somebody that wasn't Israel. I forgot what it was for, a human rights violation, maybe? I, I, yeah, they, well, yeah. they always go after them on human rights, but but part of the reason is because of uh, the relationship with Israel and this high-profile um, uh, conference that I said probably inspired others right. to, uh, to, to do it. And by the way, they're increasing the number of flights. They, they just put Egypt Air to replace Sinai Air, and they're talking about 21 flights a week between Cairo and uh, Tel Aviv. It's pretty amazing, I'll tell you. Different times. Mm-hmm. As Pesach approaches, we have to remember the relationship between <laughs> Israel and Egypt. Um, by the way, I meant to mention this earlier, and I know that you know we don't always uh, <laughs> we don't always discuss sports, but in this case, it's a little bit of a different story. Uh, it, 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 kudos to those 
There are a lot of sports writers and people who write opinion columns who take different positions when when players do stupid things. Kudos to those who insisted that this guy Myers Leonard uh, be fined and disciplined by the NBA for using a really bad uh, uh, slur against uh, you know a, a Jewish slur, a, a you know a derogatory term. Uh, for Jews. And and that's another thing we shouldn't take for granted, by the way, Malcolm, because a lot of times these institutions, including the major leagues, you know, they ignore the anti-Semitic stuff and they're much more, uh, you know, they're much more uh, a machmir, so to speak, when it comes to other groups. So in this case, we have to acknowledge that there were people out there fighting this battle. And he, he not only apologized, but uh, you saw that uh, Julian Edelstein. Edelman, the- yeah, Julian Edelman. Edelman of the of the oh you don't know about Edelstein the football player <laughs> Edelstein um, Goldstein invited him for a Shabbat meal to his home. It's a great it's idea, a, by the way. And you, you you love that strategy. So I do. Yeah. I've used it, and, I've, and it's the best thing. Yeah, to, to, and even when people go to Israel, and we take all of these guys right. who are famous people. A Shabbat meal in Israel, because, uh, the very fact that they participate in a Shabbat meal, many of them will say, I always dreamed of this, I always wanted to, I didn't know. And they tell us it's the greatest experience. Uh, yes, yes, yes. We have so much more in common than what separates us, but unfortunately we don't always get the opportunity to display that. Uh, Israel targeted 12 tankers heading to Syria. I mean, based on what I saw, I assume this was uh, uh, th- 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 these, these were for the benefit of Iran, and Israel wanted to make sure to stop them. Uh, yes. Also, Israel has to retaliate for the attack on our ship, on Israel's ship in the um, uh, in the Gulf of Oman, which is now was repaired and is back flying, is back working. It looks like it could have been they flew a, dr- a drone into it rather than the, the bomb. Although I think the holding theory still is that they attached those bombs to the side of the hull and that it exploded. But um, uh, you know, Israel can't allow a thing like that to go unresponded to. Uh, without and doesn't want to escalate the conflict, uh, but the these attacks are ongoing. By the way, the United States carried out uh, attacks. I don't think we discussed those in, in in Syria, which shocked some of the you know people in 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 Congress, Democrats who right. saw right. the president took the action because it was necessary. You can't make these blanket things that we're going to stop. We're not going to do this. American security depends on it. And when they attack Americans in, in Iraq and launch the missiles, many missiles against them, and we know that there are more attacks planned, we see Iran moving again, and uh, people are probably tired of it, but it's not. Well, I'm, it, get, I'm getting concerned because the more the Biden administration postpones how they're going to deal with Iran, the more time Iran has to, ca- to continue to develop what they need to develop over there. Well, it's not in their hands. I mean, they have offered to to negotiate it, but they uh, but we should welcome the fact that they're holding firm, both on on the the conditions and the the fact that the the Iranians have to agree first and take the steps first to stop the violations and then negotiate. The Iranians are saying no, negotiate. Then we will talk about um, uh, reducing the the, the um, measures that we have taken but they just uh, this week started enriching uranium with a third set of these new advanced IR2 centrifuges in the tons at the underground facility which I've mentioned so and this is even the IEA acknowledging uh, some of this and this uh, it, it's attempted to bring more pressure on President Biden and who wants to revive the accords and they want to negotiate but Rob Malley and others 
you know, who have been very pro the agreement, and is now the Iran envoy, um, said this week that they're not going to have any surprises with Israel, that they're going to coordinate, that, the, you know, the working group between Israel and uh, United States, led by National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and Israel's equivalent, the Mayor Ben Shabbat, held the first, is going to hold the first round of talks, I think, on Thursday. And they, um, the soundings and the statements that are being made are acknowledging the differences between 2015 and 2021. But the uh, Iranians, in the meantime, are put in this fourth cascade, uh, and it has to be. It hasn't been said yet with the UF six um, uh, gas to activate it, but it, it doesn't take long, and this means that they can enrich. Um, up to five percent purity, and uh, and which is above the three point six seven, but less than the twenty percent. But we know now that at Fordo they're at twenty percent already, so ninety percent is is for an atomic weapon. But twenty to ninety is just a technical adjustment uh, to get from three point five to six is a big thing. So people, when they see these stories and and, uh, see the IEA has been more open and more aggressive because the the, the Iranians are just lying and they're not giving them access to a lot of the facilities, they they acknowledge the fact that there are facilities which um, inspectors haven't been able to get to. It's it's infuriating. I, I, I don't know. To the to the novice like me, it just looks like the U.S. is dragging its feet. I mean, I wanted there was something else when people don't understand how much influence Iran has, that they have front groups operating and individuals, some of whom have very close ties to the past administration, this administration, who who are working under the guise of different organizations. There are a lot of people who questioned uh, the role of NIAC, uh, which uh, had entry, guy and gain entry in, in Washington. But the, the Iranian have a, uh, it came out uh, in the last few days, a study showing that they have Islamic Radio and Television Union is a propaganda arm of the IRGC and the Quds Force, and that they have stations all over. They have more than 210 affiliates in 35 countries with satellite television, radio stations, news agencies, etc. So the news that people think they're getting that that it's uh, they think is credible. And their goal is to t- to disseminate anti-American and anti-Israel narrative, and it works. They their success on the internet <clears throat> is way underestimated. Yeah, that's true. And if they're looking for some good anti-American rhetoric, there are a lot of Americans that they could hire, frankly, for that. And the blood libel is a result of that. This this thing, right. the how the vaccine story, despite the fact that it's not his responsibility, that it's fundamentally untrue, and all of that still has legs and continues. Yeah. And it's on campuses now we're seeing demonstrations about it. You know, when the whole Saturday Night Live thing came out, so everybody had their own angle. And the one I kept taking was the, uh, you know, nobody's out there for other countries the way Israel is. And then in your daily alert, I see that Israel said it was sending a medical team to Equatorial Guinea following the deadly blast at a military camp on Sunday, which killed over 100 people. And a seven-member team from Israel arrived in the African state of Eswat. Eswatini, formerly Swaziland, on Monday to help with the COVID-19 vaccination program. These are the people that they're blood libeling, the ones who are ready to go anywhere in the world to help in any capacity possible. Exactly. Unbelievable. Mr. Honline, I thank you very, very much. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak next week. God willing, have a great Shabbos and a good Chodesh. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays with the weekly update here 
at JM in the AM. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayakel and Pekude. Parshas HaChodesh, candle lighting in New York, 539. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is Sunday, starting tomorrow night. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is a one-dayer. Sunday. Daylight savings time begins Sunday. Early. 2 a.m. becomes 3 a.m. this coming Sunday morning. Keep that in mind. <laughs> you don't want to forget that. Uh, no, you don't want to forget that. You'll be late for school Sunday morning if you forget that. A um, couple of things. First of all, I saw a, a Mazel Tov wish going out to a Judy and Nuti Holzer of Passaic and to Sandy and Elliot Klein of Woodmere celebrating anniversaries on this 28th of Adar. Thank you very much for that. From the NSN app, a uh, happy anniversary. Oh, here it is. Judy and Nutty Holzer and Sandy and Elliot Klein. All right, there you go. Oh, here it says 27th of Adar. Well, two-day celebration. Why not? Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Segal Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Matis Weingast hosts JM Sunday this coming Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time here at the Nahum Segal Network. Make sure to be tuned in. Avrami hosts Saturday Night Segal tomorrow night beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern time here at JM in the AM, or I should say here at the Nahum Segal Network to be more accurate. Uh, so check that out and uh, enjoy tomorrow night. Avrami does a great job uh, every uh, Saturday night. Our friends at ShopEichlers.com want to remind you they've got the uh, thousands of items in the world of Judaica available on their website, ShopEichlers.com. The upscale table settings for Pesach. They're elegant, they're durable, and they're disposable. Check them out. You'll find them online at shopbyclothes.com where you can uh, order whatever you wish and literally get same-day delivery. The Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Staten Island, Queens, Five Towns, Far Rockaway, Muncie, Monroe, Teaneck, Lakewood, Toms River, and Jackson, New Jersey. Largest deck store is now online. That's uh, shopbyclothes.com. Check them out over the weekend. Order what you need and get ready for the big holiday. Shopbyclothes.com. Com. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With a great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Wow. This Shabbos, Parshas, Payakil Pekude, Shabbos Chazak. This Shabbos, once again, to Torah. The last of the four special parashios, this Shabbos is Parshas HaChodesh. According to the Chinuch, there is but one mitzvah found in Parshas Vayakel. It happens to be a losase, a restrictive, namely that losavaru esh b'chomosh vosechem b'yom Shabbos. You're not to light a fire on Shabbos in all your dwellings. There's no time for me to go into it. While this might be the remez for our having hot food on Shabbos, according to Reb Sajagon, this is the source of having a bracha for Lahadlik Ne'er Shel Shabbos to undermine the Karaites. The Chinuch understands this to mean that just as we can't have a Bezdin to execute one of the four means of execution, namely Srefa, uh, burning, on Shabbos, so too we don't have the convening of Bezdin 
on Shabbos. I'd like to point out something fascinating as after the first three psukim of Vayakel, which deal with Shabbos, the rest of Vayakel and Pukude is a recapitulation of, of Parshios Truma and Tetzaveh in the beginning of Kisisa, namely the implementation of the Mishkan, the sanctuary that the Jewish people were privileged to build in the desert. I'd like to call your attention to the end of Pekude, to chapter 40, Pasuk 18. Please take out your Mikroos Gedolos and take a look at the Sopurno. And if you don't have it and you're obviously listening now before Shabbat, if you can, go to your computer, go to Safaria, go to chapter 40 in um, Shmos, and go to verse 18, where the Torah tells us, Vayokem Moshe Esamishkan. Moshe literally erected the sanctuary. Good. What didn't you understand? Explains the Sapurno. What does it mean that he erected the sanctuary? Eser Hayurios. We're talking specifically that he raised the ten curtains, which were the roof of the sanctuary. Ma'asei Choshev. I'm continuing to read in the Sapurno. These were works of very intricate, delicate uh, work of weaving these uh, ureos, these curtains. Shenikru'u Mishkan, that they are the focus, and they're called Mishkan. Hukmu, these were literally raised and placed Kodem hakomas hakroshim, before the placing of the boards. Now, I don't have to tell you whether you've watched the building of a house or any structure or not. It is completely understandable that you start from the bottom up. A foundation, walls, beams, and on top of these walls and beams, now I can have support for and placing a roof. Here, the Torah tells us, sit down and fasten your seatbelts, says the Sapurno. Here, the roof came on first. Now, interestingly, regarding the sukkah that we're privileged to build each and every year, if somebody were to have that trick, whereby first they put up the schach, and they somehow have the schach supported, and then they build up the walls to the schach, guess what, my friends, that sukkah is possible. It might look like a sukkah, but once we know how it was constructed, it is an invalid sukkah. You've got to, quote, take apart, pick up, put down the schach again, 
because that happens to be an infraction of Tasevalomina Osui. However, here in the construction of the Mishkan, this was completely in order. This is what God wants, and the Sapurno goes on to explain. How did this happen? Either there were individuals, Shevet Levi, holding up the Ureos, holding up these curtains, and then they put up the walls. Or perhaps this was a miracle. Now, if this was a miracle, you have to ask yourself, why? Why would Hashem perform this miracle? Who needs it? Why couldn't you have, like any other home? We're building a home for God, so let it be a foundation, walls, or sockets in this case here, to hold the temporary walls, etc. And then, on top of these walls, we're going to put the roof. Why the reverse? So, I want you to know, he should live and be well, Rav Ruven Feinstein, who prior to the pandemic would come to our community annually to raise funds for his yeshiva, and always honors us with words of Torah, once commented in our community that the Torah is teaching us a very important lesson. And that is, when you have a project, you should have a goal. Be goal-oriented and focus on the goal. And what is the goal here of the um, Mishkan? It's clearly, Vishochanti Bisocham that God should dwell in our midst. And therefore, the Sapurno says, and go back to the Sapurno in Truma, chapter 26, verse 1. And there he explains why it is that these Krashim, why, I'm sorry, these Ureos, that these curtains atop of the sanctuary, why are they called Mishkan? He says, because Pesocham underneath these curtains were the Kisei, the, the Aron, the Shulchan, the table, the menorah, the candelabra, the Mizbeach Hazahav, the golden altar. All this was Lemishkan Shechina. All this was to house the Divine Presence. And interestingly, on these curtains were woven, kruvim, the angels, as the Pasuk says in Yeshaya 6.2, Srafim omdim mima'alo, as above Hashem's kisei hakavod, there are the angels, here too, above the Aron, you have the angels on these Ureos. And as you find later on, or excuse me, earlier in Malachim Aleph, the heavens, O made a love, Mimino, Mismolo, similarly over here, above the um, Aron, 
you have the representation of Ashroas Hashchina with these curtains. What we're being taught here, says Rav Feinstein, Shlita, is that we should always focus on what the purpose is. Never lose sight of your goal. The raison d'etre, the main purpose of what your institution is, of what your home is, that your home should be a mokom shechina. The beautiful custom that people knock on the door of their home before they enter their home. Excuse me, it's not yours, it's my house. Why am I knocking on my door? So the first reason is not to startle anybody who might be in, that I should scare them, catch them off guard. But no, perhaps I'm having a challenging day. Somebody wronged me. Whatever it is that many of us do have challenging days. You're about to go into your home. Knock on the door for a moment. Remind yourself what your door is. That your door is a dwelling place of the Shekhinah. And there's no room for any, God forbid, argumentation. There's no room for any pettiness that might have gone on during the day. Amazing. What is the beginning of Parshas Vayakil? It is the mitzvah of Shabbos. And what are we told? Shabbos is, as we find in L'chad Dodi, Sof Ma'aseh B'machshavah When Hashem created the world, He had the end goal in mind. And what was the end goal of the world? Shabbos. Wow! In order to appreciate Shabbos, you have to have six days of working. But not like, forgive me, the secular world thinks that you work hard during the six days and the weekend is made as the beer commercial goes for Michelob so you get a chance to relax on the weekend. No! Listen to the second puzzle of this week's parsha: Sheshes Yomim it doesn't say six days you shall do malacha, you shall work. It says for six days work is to be done. You are to appreciate that even during the six days, whatever you accomplish is only because God is being good to you. Instead of giving it to you on a silver platter, which would be nothing less than namo dekisufa, which means it would be embarrassing that you're getting bread of humiliation, God is giving you a handout, Gomel chasodim tovim He does a chesed for each and every one of us, that He allows us to work during the week, that we feel oh, look what we're accomplishing and gives us dignity, but really it's all coming from Him Ah, if I recognize that it all comes from Him, then I can appreciate Shabbos Shabbos is a total focus on, thank you Hashem it's a complete total of being a privilege of being a Jew. It's a different kind of a look at Shabbos. It's not a day of I can't and I can't and I can't and I can't because they learned the 39 interestingly restrictions of Shabbos from the beginning of this week's parsha. It's a privilege. It's all looking at what is the goal 
the goal of Shabbos. And finally, the second Torah that we're going to take out to read from chapter 12 in the book of Shmos, HaChodesh Hazelochem. We start with the mitzvah of the Jewish calendar, time. What does that mean? It means that in Mitzrayim, when Avodim Oyinu Mitzrayim, when we were slaves in Egypt, we did not have time. Our time did not belong to us. It belonged to the master with a small m. He told us what to do, when to do, and where to do it. Now that you are free, ah, what are you being given? Hachodesh hazelochem. Hashem is giving us the gift of time. And therefore we are to realize, wow, what is this gift? What's the matara? What's the end all? What's the goal? And the answer is that Yisrael, like the Medrash says on that Pasuk, they are Mikadesh. We have the ability to sanctify time. We take in Shabbos early, we sanctify time. We make Kiddush, we sanctify time. We make Havdalah, we sanctify time. But it's not just that. Every day during the week, we're all busy. We set time for the study of Torah. You are sanctifying time. You set time for the performance of mitzvos. You are sanctifying time. The common denominator between the erection of the Mishkan miraculously by Moshe, putting the roof before the structure, the connection between that and Shabbos and Parsha Zachodesh is all three is teaching us one very important lesson. What is the goal? What are we aspiring for? And the answer is all three. The Jew always aspires for Kedusha. May we be so privileged. Shabbat Shalom to all. Shazam, 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 Shazam,
A song dedicated by Leif Tahar to the memory of Chaim Lobo Silber. And I play it not only because it's Shabbos Mavarchim, but because the topic we are about to discuss, about to discuss, I discussed more on the air with Lobo than anybody else over the years. It's also my father's yard site, and Lobo was among the last people to speak to my father before my father passed away. I remember that today as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we, we have a lot of important segments on this show for many, many years. The next few minutes might be the most important segment of the year. I'm asking all of you to pay careful attention. Th- this next segment, these next few minutes, might be the most important segment of the year. Rabbi Mordechai Kanelsky is with us live via telephone. I'm, I am, I've already uh, publicly stated, I mentioned this yesterday, that Rabbi Kanelsky is on this morning, not in his capacity with Briss Avram. We'll have an opportunity to speak about the great work that Briss Avram is about to do for Pesach 5781. We'll have a chance to do that. He's on this morning because a very prominent balabas, a very prominent a person in the, on the Jewish communal scene asked him to specifically use this program to discuss a very, very important subject before Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And that's why Rabbi Kanelsky is with us this morning. Rabbi Kanelsky, a uh, good morning to you, a good Erev Shabbos, good Erev Rosh Chodesh. Thanks for joining us here at JM in the AM. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. Good morning. Thank you for giving us the opportunity as a greatest vehicle for the Jewish community is the Nachum Siegel Show. Many people listen and being inspired, but not just being inspired. You are the source that gives them the ability to know. I had a friend who used to travel to Manhattan, and he said to me that his wife likes candles because he listens to your show, and he calls her after the show and says, Nachum Siegel said, this is time for YD Kendall. You can never know how many people you inspire. Now this person is an entrepreneur person, and he's in his circle, and he says to people that his wife likes Shabbos candles, then the other people say, wow, she likes Shabbos candles? And this person listens to Nachum Siegel, most probably has to be something good. <laughs> and therefore, therefore, and more than that, you know, I am a host of yours for your program for many, 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 many years. Since when you were still in this orange in that building, then we were going back many, many years. And I want to tell you one thing. You are making sure that every single thing in the Jewish community is it in Israel? Is it abroad? You make people involved. Is it through your words? Is it through your special attention to that? And always you put in some jokes that people don't feel that this is something was said, I have to do it, but the opposite. Let's do it together. Well, and when my person of the board called me up and says, I have an idea, and, I, and here came an idea from a person who is, an, who is a businessman. And he says, Rabbi, we have to do something in a most global way. I know you have connection with the Nachum Siegel Show. I know Nachum is your friend. 
call him up. Please see if for the next two weeks we could dedicate and do something as a Am Israel, as a Jewish nation together. Well, as, as Rabbi Kanelsky just said, this was initiated by a, a prominent Balabas, somebody who's very involved in Jewish communal life. And the topic, and this is why I call this such an important topic and maybe the most important segment of the year, uh, the topic is something we've discussed. I, I mentioned that with Lobo of Blessed Memory, I discussed it with him a million times, and that is doing chesed, doing chesed on whatever level you can, doing chesed for another person, doing chesed for another family. And now the prominent member of uh, of Rabbi Kanelsky's board asked that we extend that, that we not only encourage people now in the next two weeks before Pesach to do chesed, and to do chesed for others, but to but to remind them that even though they are a recipient of chesed, they can then go ahead in their own capacity, at their own level, with their own ability, they can go ahead and do a chesed for somebody else. I always cite the example of something I learned many, 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 many years ago, and thank God I learned it early. And that is on an Erev Shabbos, and today's Erev Shabbos, on an Erev Shabbos, if you, if you know of somebody who's in financial difficulty, and it could be really serious financial difficulty, if you give them $20, it could change everything in their life for that Shabbos. They can get the few items they need that they promised their wife they would get, and they didn't know how they'd be able to pay for it. It would increase the shlom bias that comes from that. The ripple effect is amazing what one small act of chesed can do. The ripple effect is amazing. And now... As this, um, uh, as the person indicated to Rabbi Kanelsky, it's not just doing for somebody else. We're always encouraging that. Small acts, whatever you can do, whatever's in your capacity, especially the next two weeks. Pesach's coming. Pesach is coming. You know how hard it is for people, Pesach? But in addition to that, remind them and convince them and, re- and just encourage them that they too, in whatever capacity they can, can help somebody else right now before Yontif. I take great pride in this concept, by the way, because it was Cholomoid Pesach that we always encouraged everybody, and we will do it again. We're going to do it again. We encourage people to not just buy tickets to the amusement parks, but to speak to the people at NCSY so you could buy tickets for those who can't afford it so that the kids can have somewhere to go, that families can have a wonderful Cholomoid day. And this is obviously a much, much bigger extension than that. Now, Rabbi Kanelsky, when I saw you earlier in the week, and, I, and I'm, I'm unabashed about this, by the way. I'm, I announced that you're making me the chairman of this campaign. I'm proud to be the chairman of this campaign. And I'm gonna, if, if, if it takes me using me as an example to encourage others, I'm going to do it. I saw you this week, and my mother of blessed memory, and we didn't, ha- we didn't have a lot of money growing up, frankly, and my mother of blessed memory always insisted that her children, or at least in my case, I remember she always says it, that her children set aside something for Moschitim, from the small jobs that we had. It always, you have to give something to the Moschitim fund of the shul because there are people before Pesach. It's the time of year. And I would suspect, frankly, that she probably, when she was younger, was helped by certain people before Pesach when it's so hard to make Pesach. See, yesterday when I saw you, a total coincidence, a total coincidence. I handed you two $20 bills, and I said, Rabbi, not in your capacity of bris avram, just in your capacity of being somebody who knows a lot of people. You probably know people 
that are having difficulty making Pesach, please use this as part of your Moschitim. And you said to me, ah, perfect. You gave me two $20 bills. It's two. It's all about two. It's all about giving to one person and encouraging them to give to another. But then you told me, Rabbi Kanelsky, that there's an even greater significance to the fact that it was two. Could you explain why, as we approach Rosh Chodesh Nisan, this number two is so important? As Rabbi Yudi mentioned before, uh, we are going to read tomorrow Parshat HaChodesh. And Parshat HaChodesh is when the Rebbeinu Shavayim give is commanding Moshe Rabbeinu to say to the Eden that we we're going to go out from Israel and he gives us a mitzvah. Our sages are saying that when we left Egypt, when we had to leave Egypt, we were naked of any mitzvah. As it says, at Erem Right. Says the Medrash, Nosan Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the Rebbeinu gave to us two mitzvahs, Dam Pesach and Dam Mila, two. The, the dam, the blood of that the male made a breeze, and the dam pesach that we brought, that korban, that sacrifice on the eve of Pesach. And the merit of these two mitzvahs, we left Egypt. And the Rebbe is asking a question. The Libavish Rebbe is asking a question. Why two? If the Rebbe Nashon was looking that we should have something I want to hook on, let's do one mitzvah, ten mitzvahs. And more, why is the Dafki these two mitzvahs? And the Rebbe explains that the two mitzvahs are presenting the two parts of mitzvahs in general. We have positive mitzvahs and negative mitzvahs. 248 positive mitzvahs, 365 negative mitzvahs, or we are prohibited to do. These two mitzvahs are presenting that two kinds. Dam Pesach, that is representing the 365 negative mitzvahs. Because that sheep was the Aveda Zorah, was the idol worship of the Egyptians. And through that, that a Jew took that Aveda Zorah and brought it as a sacrifice to God, we distanced ourselves from any kind of Aveda Zorah, from any kind of not doing something that God commanded. The Dam Mila, the breeze, was a bound between a Jew and God. And that represented one, the, the 248 mitzvahs. And in the merit of that two mitzvahs, we left Egypt. And if our sages are saying, Benisa Nigalu, or Benisa Nasidu in Goyal. In the month of Nisan was our first redemption. And in the month of Nisan, well, God willing be our ultimate redemption. We are looking for two mitzvahs. And the two mitzvahs is, do a mitzvah by yourself, and encourage another person to do. Don't be selfish. Don't keep all the mitzvahs to yourself. <laughs> Make another person involved. Let the other person do also a mitzvah. How do we do that? When you're saying, it's cool, it's excited, let's help our neighbor. Let's call up somebody, maybe somebody needs something. And if each one of us will make a chain, I will do a mitzvah, and I will encourage somebody to do a mitzvah. We will keep that pandemic of the COVID-19 out. We are unfortunately a year after that. That brought much distance between one Jew and another Jew. Yeah. We need now Ahavas Israel in the proper command. 
we have to love a Jew, help a Jew, doesn't mean that we don't have to do the guidelines, but we have to do it. But there is plenty of ways how to do and to help another Jew with a mess and with, and with distance of six feet and everything we could do. Yeah, and by the way, what? yeah, and last Pesach, we were really isolated. Our shuls were closed, etc. We have a lot to make up for. It's really two because we have to do what we need to do this Pesach. We have to make up for what we didn't do last Pesach. But it's more than that. When you have a string that is being Greek, you cannot bind with one knot. You have to make a double knot. Right. We were distant for a year. Yeah. Let's now be bounded one with another. How do we be bounded? Through doing these two mitzvahs. But sometimes the mitzvah is only 50 cents or a dollar. Maybe it's a quarter just to call up somebody. And I will conclude with a small story that I heard that that story changed my whole approach for that campaign. There was a Jew in, in here in New York that in his floor was living an elderly woman. And unfortunately, she lost her husband many years ago. And she used to go and paste always to her children territory row. That neighbor walked over to her and said to her, you are by yourself for the Pesach Seder. Just let's open up the door. You will sit on a chair by your door, and you will hear how we are making our Pesach Seder, and you will be a part of that. Mm. Last year, Pesach yeah. came to the Pesach Seder, and the songs were special. And the questions and everything was very unique. And after the Pesach Seder, she calls up the neighbor after Pesach and she says, you made the Seder exactly like my husband used to do the Seder. <laughs> For many years, I never had such a Seder like my husband. You were singing the same songs that my husband used to sing. You used to, uh, you asked all the questions that my husband used to ask. How do you know it? He did not respond. What happened? He called up her son in Israel. No way. And, and says to her, to the son, oh. my dear son, your mother is our neighbor. Can you please tell me what was the song that your father used to sing by the Pesach Seder? Oh, my gosh. Oh what my gosh. was the conversation at the Pesach Seder? Oh and you took God. note of the son. What happened? <sighs> and that made that woman a different Pesach Seder. We could do the same thing. We sure have elderly people. We have people that don't have anything how to make the pace of status. They are lonely. Call up a neighbor. Find out how does she like the pace of status. What does she need? What does she want? And you will make a change, not just for her, for yourself. When you help another person, you're helping yourself. You don't help the other person. As we said in the Megillah, Rebach v'hatsova yamad v'ayhudim emotim acher. The Rebbeinu Shul will take care of everybody. The question is if we are being a part of that big revelation of the coming of Mashiach. When Mashiach will come, we will all be there. The question is if we will be on the, on the, play, on the playing stage, on the floor, and we will be players, or we will have back seats and watch them, or we will have binoculars and sit in the back and watch what's going on. Let's not buy binoculars. Let's not buy, buy uh, seats. Let's be players. We are the players. 
of the ultimate redemption of the coming of Mashiach Tekeno. We have, um, as I said, probably the most important segment of the year. Uh, everybody listening, we have a unique opportunity over the next two weeks with Pesach coming, and that is to do something um, for somebody in need, and needs are not always financial needs, as Rabbi Kanelsky just described, and encourage them to do for somebody else who might be in need. And again, it can be financial or otherwise. Uh, I am proud to be the chairman of this campaign, and I'll be reminding everybody about this message as we continue to get closer and closer to Pesach. I always point out, and I point it out with pride and to the chagrin of some of my staff members, we are an entity that needs your funds, your contributions to continue. And yet, as often as possible, it seems, I am asking you to support other important causes. And this is a really, really important one. Um, we have a special obligation to take care of those needy in our community, seek them out, and give what you can and be a part of it. Uh, by giving to them directly and by helping them directly and by encouraging them to help others who are in need. And Rabbi Kanelsky, I need to, I know it's not all about financial, but but when it comes to Pesach, I need to make this point, and I'll, I'll end with this, but I need to make this point. You know a lot of people who are in great financial need. You know them from your neighborhood, you know them from the greater Jewish community, and you know them from all the different places where you've had influence uh, geographically over the last many, many decades. If I were to hand you, in theory, or anybody were to hand you, like I did this week with those with the story with the $20, if someone was to hand you five $100 bills, now we know you can't make Pesach for $100. We all know that. It's impossible. And we all know that the expenses are much greater than that. But just tell me, please, on the air, how much lachatz, how much, how much less pressure a person or a family would feel if they were given just $100 in advance of Pesach to buy Pesach products, even though it's not enough, even though they need more. How much lachatz, how much pressure would they be alleviated from? What kind of chesed would it be if they were handed just that amount of money as we get closer to Pesach? I will add a very important statement to that. It's not the $100. It's not the $20. When a person walks over, Moshe comes over to Yanko and says, I want to help you, and takes out anything from a pocket and gives him, the other person feels, I am not alone in the battle. Yeah. There is somebody else who helps me. Yeah. And that is easing greatly. It's not so much the amount as the smile. The Rambam says when you're giving to Docker, you should give it with a smile. Yeah, no and question. this is the most important. When you give it, smile to the person. Tell him, I love you. Maybe you cannot hug him because of Corona. <laughs> but you could tell him, I love you. Yeah, and the and the virtual hugs work. Uh, please tell the Balabas who brilliantly brought all of this to our attention that I am with great enthusiasm taking on the role for the next two weeks as chairman of this campaign. He is listening to our conversation now. Good. 
And I'm sure that he, I will talk to him in five minutes and I will share with him. Uh, and I will hear his uh, comments and I will share it with you. And I'm sure that everybody who will listen to you for the next two weeks will make a change. But the most important, we will all collectively say, materialize our promise from last year. With Shona Habob Yerushalayim, this is the year. This is the year that we're all coming to Yerushalayim. Mir Tashem. And, and this conversation, in addition to being Le'ili Nishmas, my father, it is the 28th of Adar, but we're also going to make this conversation Le'ili Nishmas Chaim Lobo Silber, because I told you that he was my original co-chairman on campaigns like this, describing to the audience how the smallest little thing that you do for somebody financial or otherwise, can just change their day and change their life. And I accept with great enthusiasm the chairmanship of the campaign that I think we're going to we're going to take Miriam Wallach's advice. We're going to call it It Takes Two because it's two, everybody. It's encouraging. It's, it's, it's us doing a kind act for somebody else or another family, and it's then encouraging them when they say to you, how can I ever thank you? You say, no need to thank me. I encourage you to do the same thing for somebody else with great pride and great enthusiasm. Do the same thing. A kind word, a chesed, a ride for somebody, or if you can afford it, you give, give them uh, some money to uh, to help make Pesach, whatever it might be. So that's what I have to say. Of that campaign, and on behalf of my wife, Sterni, and your wife, and we together, but all say to Klaus Israel, a freilichen and a kosher and Pesach. I appreciate that and have a wonderful Shabbos. And we'll speak to you next week, Rabbi Kanelsky, on, on other topics. But again, no more important topic than this. It takes two, everybody. And we want to emphasize that there's two in this process. It's not just you giving to someone else. It's then they being encouraged to go ahead and do for somebody. And, and I'm not calling I, I didn't I didn't like when someone suggested, oh, it's pay it forward. No, 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 no. Pay it forward has no deadline. Pay it forward is, you know, five years later you say, oh, this guy helped me get a job and now I'm, I'm in a position to give someone else a job. I'm going to do it. No, no, no. We're not waiting how long it takes to pay something forward. We're encouraging the person who we are helping. Don't help. Don't thank me. Just go ahead and do the same thing for somebody else. Take out a $20 bill, write a check for $1,000, or if financially you can't help out, there are a million other ways you could help out. I'll never forget, I, I actually transcribed, <laughs> this was crazy, I actually transcribed after Lobo passed away uh, some of the conversations we had on the air. I have them here somewhere. I have to find them. I'd, I'd like to read them actually during the next two weeks. They're very inspiring. And one of the stories he tells is that he hired an ice cream truck to come to the bungalow colony just to give out ice cream to the kids. That was it. How much could it have been? I mean, what is it, a couple of dollars a kid, whatever it is? And he says that that's all they talked about the entire summer, that they, you know, that, that they had such a treat, such a chesed, that they, you know, he, he of course, did it with so much fun involved, et cetera. He, 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 he would not only do things for people, he always wanted to do it with great fun and enthusiasm. So whatever it is, whatever it takes, maybe it's sending a, a maybe it's sending a pizza pie on Erev Pesach, or this year wouldn't be Erev Pesach, obviously. Erev Pesach is Shabbos. But Badika's Chametz night, Thursday, 
sending a few pizza pies to different families that might be struggling should they spend the $20 on a pizza pie. But then again, they want to feed their family, and it's hard to feed a family because Chumetz night because you know what? All that Chumetz are out. That's a good campaign. By the way, by the way, that's a great idea. That I just stumbled on a great idea. Could you imagine walking into a local pizza shop and saying, please deliver these five pizza pies to these five families on Thursday night, Badika's Chametz, and I'm going to let them know they're coming because that's going to be my help in helping them prepare for Pesach. The truth is I could sit here and think of a million examples. Um, But I think everybody out there gets the point. It's Erev Pesach, everybody. And with all the days during the year that we need to keep other people in mind and do for other people as much as we can, with all, and it's got to be every day, right? We teach our children gift stuck every day. But there's nothing as important as these two weeks. It is such a lachat. It is such a, a tremendous amount of pressure on so many people around the world to make yuntif. And, um, and that goes for people who have normal salaries as well. It's hard. It's hard. The meat bill is is gigantic the wine and matzah bill is gigantic all these things are gigantic compared to a regular uh, period of time whatever you could do do it don't delay it's got to be now don't delay and then encourage the person because they're going to thank you they're going to be like oh don't thank me don't thank me all i ask is you do the same thing sit down and think of who you could do something for and just do it and do it now because Pesach starts, you know, two weeks from tomorrow night. Two weeks from tomorrow night, we're sitting down to the Seder. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Over Shabbos, maybe, families can sit at the Shabbos table and think, who can I help? What can we do? What cool thing can we do to, to make it a little bit more fun and easier for people? Time to say good Shabbos on this Erev Shabbos HaChodesh at JM in the AM. The sun is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Say good job is Cause all your work is done Gonna spend a day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very special sign Your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Oh
is a very special sign. Israel and Achim brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Round the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday here at JMN. My thanks to Harry Rothenberg. My thanks to Rabbi Yudin. My thanks to Rabbi Kanelsky. My thanks, of course, to Malcolm Holmline. My thanks to all of you for tuning in. And my thanks to the person who is responsible for appointing me chairman of this two-week campaign to do everything in our power. Think creatively. Do everything in your power to do something for somebody else, especially those who could use the help before Pesach. Um, Sunday, I am hosting the Shuvu live stream. Uh, begins at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Speak to you then, and I hope you'll uh, contribute, donate, and help Shuvu continue to move forward. Monday morning back here at 6 a.m. Don't forget that uh, Matis is on at 7 a.m. Sunday morning, and Avrami tomorrow night with Saturday Night Seagull. And uh, all day long, Mark Zamek, an amazing Arab Shabbos show brought to you by Kedem, and of course, the Arab Shabbos music mix. Have a fabulous Shabbos, a good Chodesh, wonderful weekend. Till next time, Nachum Seagull reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.